interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> we are back everyone so excited to be back on my bloody podcast oh my goodness it's the 58th episode and it's me brian kluger i'm back from my hiatus my vacation my 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 wonderful honeymoon and wedding it all happened it's so good to be back in the state of horror i love it preston barta is here he manned the ship and he did so well that he is he's just the the bloody captain that we we all all deserve. <laughs> How are you, Preston? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm glad to have you back because uh as I've learned in those past two two, three episodes that we did, uh that shit's hard. Um That's <laughs> what she said. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, it's. it's uh, I, I'm glad you're back because you, you do a great job, and uh, it makes me appreciate all the work that you do in those other fifty some odd episodes. Well, thank you, thank you. But you did a you did a bang up, knocked it out of the park job. I really loved listening to it. You know, I was uh, the last couple episodes like, oh yeah, this is good. I was like, I could just listen to this. I don't need me in there. <laughs> it's like it's like a podcast, you know? Yeah, I know. It's like a podcast. I thought it was just Preston and I just like wanted to talk and record ourselves. Uh, but it's so good to be back, man. So good to be talking with you. And uh, it's uh, there, there's lots of horror to discuss, you know? Lots of lots of things have happened. I've seen I Midsommar hope one of those twice. Is not your wedding. No, none of them is not my wedding. No, there was anything but horror at the wedding, I think. <laughs> I can vouch for that. Uh, but yeah, and there was no horror on the honeymoon, I don't think. Um I guess there there was nothing really scary. It was all it was all great. Uh, Good. So everything was pitch perfect, and uh, now now we're back uh, the in, in Dallas, Texas, in a hundred and fifty thousand degree heat. Uh, no no sign of stoppage, and uh, but we've got a lot of horror to talk about. That's the best thing. Been getting horror movies in. And watching movies, I even saw Midsommar again. And uh, for our main presentation today on episode 58 of My Bloody Podcast, we're going to be talking about Stranger Things Season 3. Preston and I have both watched the entire, the entire season right when I got back from St. Lucia. Uh, the, we pretty much watched Stranger Things Season 3. And oh, I have so much to say about it. And uh, yes, yes, I'm just glad. And then plus, plus another main attraction for this week, Mondo, the guys and girls from MondoTees.com were gracious enough to send us the soundtrack, the, the long forever waited 
record release, vinyl release of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, the musical episode, Once More with Feeling, which I do believe, Preston, when we had Mo and Spencer on this show, they gave us this exclusive, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And uh, I should have been a little smarter with it and maybe even put on one of our websites. Exclusive. But... uh I guess we're a little more generous than that, and the whole world found out a couple of months later. Right, right. We just were chill about it. We were like, "Oh yeah," because I, I think I was at, I was like, I was just being so giddy talking with them. I was like, "Why haven't you put out months more with feeling?" And they're like, "Oh God, okay, we're gonna announce hey. it. We're promoting now once more with feeling." <laughs> well, we could uh, forever put that on our tombstone. Right. Um, this podcast tombstone, whenever it unfortunately f- uh, kicks the bucket, which we don't want it to ever. Right, right. That's true. So we're going to be. As long talking, as we're alive. As long as we're alive. Even, you know, in the afterlife, we'll be coming back. Yeah, we're going to be like Marvel. We're just going to be passing the torch, and then somebody else, maybe my son, will take it over. I don't know. How awesome would that be? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we'll be talking about the, uh, vampire, Buffy the Vampire Slayer from Mondo, the vinyl release, along with some, uh, some bloody recommendations and news, but, uh, yeah, first, Preston, I just, I, I had to ask, are, is there, is there a lot of good horror things you're willing to discuss in this news section that makes you really excited? Well, the majority of everything that we're going to discuss today is somewhat tied to Midsommar and Ari Aster, but I think I would like to begin with discussing something that probably would excite you uh, the most, even though you are a big fan of Midsommar and Ari Aster, but uh, Evil Dead and Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are are like literally in your blood, so I feel that we need to just... uh, Bring down the bat on that. Yeah, lead off with that. So this, I'm on the fence about this because I don't know what to think about it. But Sam Raimi has been talking and says he's trying to get Evil Dead a uh, movie back on track. And I don't know if that means the the one that he produced that was um done oh by the guy that was you know, that came out a couple years ago like 2013 or something like that yes yes yeah and which i which i enjoyed but I, for me i just think you have to have bruce campbell and you have to have like that feeling of uh hilarity and comedy so i don't know where he's coming with this and then uh, a little while back, like a couple months ago, Bruce Campbell said, like, I'm retiring the Ash character. And now he is doing a video game uh, where he will reprise the voice of Ash. But he says he's done with Ash on film, live action style. So I don't I don't know. Like, it's, it's I, I'm conflicted because I think you need Sam Raimi, Rob Tappert, and Bruce Campbell, and Ivan Raimi and Ted Raimi on an Evil Dead movie. And if they're producers, fine. If it's a sequel to the original, great. I'm happy for that. I just hope they add some of that humor to it or one of the characters kind of emulates kind of like a cocky, fun person and not all serious. What do you think, Preston? Yeah, it's pretty tricky. Um, I I know that Sam Raimi is just talking about it and he's trying to convince Bruce Campbell about coming on board for this because, yeah, like you said on Twitter or 
I think he's announced it on Twitter that he was hanging up the chainsaw for good, uh, for being on film and television. But so I, I imagine it's just these just early discussions about trying to get him, uh, convince him to become, to be part of the project again. Um, we don't necessarily know whether this means that it's going to be like a, is it going to be treating it like Halloween 2018 where it's like going to be picking up directly from army of darkness or is it going to pick up from where the TV show Ash versus evil dead ended or um, is it going to be some sort of uh, marriage between uh, the 2013 uh, reboot or rebirth uh, and then just putting uh, groovy Bruce in there somewhere um, as he's like kind of teased at the very end of the, in like one of the stingers. Um, so, but yeah, like you said, I don't think the tone, like they're totally very different movies, but you know, if you look at evil dead one and evil dead two, they're pretty different. Um, right. So um, I think they could make it work. Um, I'm just curious to know, like if they do get them on board, like what direction they're going to go with it. Um, I, this, I mean, I can just speculate any which way it can go, but um, I, I would think that they would try to do something where it's kind of like making both franchises, in, I guess, since they're, well, they're same franchise, but like different universes, like bring them into the same universe. I would think it would be the route that they want to go in. But I don't know if Evil Dead 2013 was like big enough to really pull that in. I think they, a huge money making didn't they didn't they didn't they didn't 2013 um, make a lot of money I'm, I'm looking it up right now just I, to make sure. I i i can't recall i, I know uh fide alvarez's second film uh, don't breathe did uh way more so uh i don't i don't know if- I, i'm i'm looking up uh the the remake and i'm looking to see how much it makes so it was the budget was 17 million dollars and it made about a hundred million dollars so that's a pretty oh, that's good yeah, yeah so i i would imagine i, I think it's just because my headspace has been all in these blockbuster numbers and so i'm thinking oh yeah well it could be like a blumhouse sort of thing where those things are made so cheaply that they uh can make a pretty turn out a pretty good profit right and so i guess just on two days ago, Sam Raimi actually said uh, verbatim, we'd like to make another Evil Dead feature. And in fact, we're working on some ideas right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raimi said he would be interested in making another film with Bruce Campbell. However, Campbell has retired. Uh, so I don't know. Um, you know, he could, Bruce Campbell could be brought back. I would imagine if Sam Raimi's doing it, I just feel like, you know, he would come back even if it's, you know, kind of like the Han Solo thing where he's in it for a little bit and dies, which would be so sad. <laughs> yeah. I, I would think that he, it, in order for him to come back, he would have to have a pretty significant part in the story. He, he just seems like a guy who really loves that character and his heart is just completely broken when it when it's uh, done. And uh, it, like the TV show was canceled, broke his heart enough to where he's like, that's it. You know what? I, I had the privilege of bringing uh, Ash back in some capacity. Uh, it's good enough for me. And so he doesn't want to kind of go through that uh, probably heartbreak again if it goes that way this route. But right. I think if the material is good enough and if Sam Raimi 
uh, brings forward a good enough idea, he would he'd probably come back, I would think. He'd pick up that chainsaw and make it happen. Let's hope he does because he's just he's so good at it. You know? He's, yeah. He's so good. And it would and you know, for me, any I, I'm gonna want any Evil Dead, even if it's like an animated show. Like I want more Evil Dead, Evil Dead universe, and you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I just hope I hope it all comes together. And you know, we've seen other people direct like Raimi properties, but you know, when Raimi did oh the Drag Me to Hell, that was a great movie. Like I hope he does more horror stuff. Yeah. He's just good yeah. at it. So, all right. So, Evil Dead film, Sam Raimi teases. We'll probably have more info on that. I don't think it's going to be our new Chucky of the week, but... <laughs> no. Uh, so, but uh, we'll, we'll find something to replace that. Uh, but, but moving on. So, yesterday, um, Ari Aster, the director of Midsommar and Hereditary, did a pretty great... Uh, AMA asked me anything on Reddit, and he divulged uh, quite a bit of info on Midsommar and his future projects, and uh, I really enjoyed reading his AMA. Did you read it, Preston? I read some of it, yeah. Okay, so I guess um, Ari Aster, during this uh, AMA, somebody asked him that they heard Midsommar was like... It, it was it, the movie itself is two and a half hours, but they heard that it was like an extra hour and a half longer, and they ask if that's going to see the light of day um, on 4K and Blu-ray home video. And Preston, what did he say? Well, I it actually he announced this uh, when he was doing press even before this uh, revealing this on Reddit, but I guess it's just kind of blew up after that, but. Like when we were doing some of the press rounds, like I read some of the stuff where he said that, yeah, when he first uh, put the first assembly together, it was like three and a half hours long or something like that. Um, but um, like even when I uh, spoke to Jack Rayner, uh, one of the, the one of the leads in the film, he divulged that um, a lot of the scenes that were taken out kind of show that he has there's more to him. There's a lot more compassion there where you can feel for him, but it ultimately kind of takes away from the story that Midsommar, the one that you can see in the theaters right now from being that kind of film that it is. Um, so it, it's almost like as if once they add these 30 minutes that we're being told is probably going to be put on the, the Blu-ray or the 4k, however they release it, it's going to feel like an entirely different film. Uh, go figure you know with 30 extra minutes in it but well um, an interesting tidbit from the ama on reddit somebody somebody was asking him about the film uh and he already said like you know there's more days in this nine day uh in this nine day realistic we only saw like three or four days so there's other things that are gonna happen and you just my mind was blown and i was like holy shit yeah i want i want to see what happens on these uh like what's the big event of the day right because you know we think like because when we heard it go oh, yeah the question was something about like what's this 90 year celebration and it's supposed to be a nine day like event but we only had like three nights and we get that much craziness god what's in the other you know 
five nights or four nights that we haven't seen. I, this sounds dark, but one of the things that I was slightly disappointed about was not seeing like a bigger thing kind of happen with the bear at least while it's alive like i had no idea like when you see that shot of the bear in the cage you're like oh fuck like that's just gonna have a payoff later and it, it does to a degree but man i wanted to see like i don't know i don't like how do they kill it i don't, I don't know i don't know what right they do there, yeah but, I, but wonder. I, I don't know there's just like some things a lot of stuff that's like teased all throughout because it's like the the whole world that Ari Aster like creates here where you you can like freeze like it's going to be great when we have it on Blu-ray or 4K and we can just pause it and just kind of uh, observe like all the drawings that are out there because he just really creates this world. He created literature and like a whole mythology and so it's going to be cool to kind of explore that further. So yeah, I'm so excited about uh 30 more minutes of midsummer and what kind of film it could be now that we've seen this one me too me too i i just you know seeing it for a second time and like seeing like paying attention to all the backgrounds on the walls and the paintings and even all the paintings at the very beginning in danny's apartment all foreshadow what's going to happen and i remember seeing you know there is a drawing of a bear in fire which we get at the Mm -hmm. very end of the film and you know there's even uh where everybody sleeps there was a drawing of like somebody with like pink wings you know being filleted open uh the body and i just like oh man i didn't notice that the first time i get well that's probably that uh i guess uh, we hope that you've seen midsummer right now but um the the guy that's like split open in that in that shack Right, yeah, and it was just I was like, oh, that there it is. I see it. I see it, and uh, it, just, it was just uh, Ari Aster. It just his attention to detail, his explicit attention to detail, is just oh, just not not the words not overwhelming, but it's just like it's just precise and it's very, pure like, insanity. Yeah, it's it's insane, and it's so good how he, you could like just catch things like in each scene, and it's just it's so good. So, which which is kind of crazy because if you've ever like listened to him like talk in interviews, he reminds me a lot of like uh, Tarantino to a degree. Like Tarantino is very like outspoken, and and but uh, Ari Aster is not that. But but how the guy that you're that's talking, you do not, you wouldn't think that he would be the same guy that created something like he does. Like I, I think about that when I watch like interviews with Tarantino, like the guy's very like he just like a movie bro, but I I wouldn't think that man he writes like this very poetic script in a way, um, and so I get that same kind of feeling with Ari Aster, but it's really cool that uh, I guess Lionsgate or whoever's gonna end up putting this out on home video is going to make that happen because, you know, we, we hear about things like this when directors will say, oh, yeah, we had like a, a, a bigger cut. Um, and then we like never see it, that this actually might happen is we're, pretty cool. We're looking at you, Tarantino. We've never had the complete cut of Kill Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it's great that we're getting that. And it's uh, just uh, I'm, I'm very over the moon about it. So and then. 
in addition to that, you know, everybody's like, what are you doing next? And we've heard that Ari has written several scripts in different genres, kind of like much like Kubrick did. And it's, it's people ask him, like, are you going to do another horror? You're so good at it. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I want to come back to horror. I love the horror genre, but I'm going to do something different now. And Preston, he came up with two things that he wants to do, right? Yeah. Uh, I, well, I remember him saying that he wanted to do like a romantic comedy or something at one point. Uh, I could be mistaken there. I'm uh, thinking of like another director who said that. But he, yeah, he wants to uh, dip his toes into another pool or another genre pool. But uh, the quote that we've got is uh, the next one will either be a zonky nightmare comedy or a big sickly domestic melodrama. Um, I'm probably going to th- it's it's interesting because you could almost say like the domestic melodrama is more like hereditary territory and then the zonky nightmare is more midsummer so uh he's completely capable in both of those areas so i really um, want to see this comedy thing man i just if he does <laughs> yeah, so well midsummer is hilarious it, it no it is like i was laughing through it and it's just it's very subtle and yeah. i just to see like him tip like like you said dip his toes in to the comedy realm if he does horror that well i bet you he's gonna do comedy that well and i'm just oh a night a zonky nightmare comedy which i guess you could describe midsommar like that but not i don't know i just i'm like my my mind goes to like apatow but way fucked up apatow <laughs> yeah um well when i talked to jack rayner he uh i, I was asking if he had any they took any inspiration from it's always sunny in their uh creation of midsummer and he didn't know exactly but he did they did kind of base a lot of the comedy on this one particular comic or entertainer named chris morris and um i don't know if you're familiar with him or not brian but he like did this uh film i think it's called four lions oh yeah a couple years ago yes yes yeah so like uh, probably that kind of comedy where like the, the, the movie is about uh, uh, like terrorists and like just like getting that making a comedy out of that perspective, which is super dark and probably uncomfortable for like American audiences to watch. Um, so I imagine it's probably going to be something like that where it's like, oh, man, why would you anybody be ballsy enough to make a comedy out of this? That's what I expect. With that whole zonky nightmare comedy description, that seems to fit the bill in my eyes. And I've got to say, Jack Rayner, you know, you first saw him or first remember him in like Transformers, but I just got to, you know, applaud him for going full frontal and giving it all he had in Midsommar. (laughs) That took a lot Uh, of balls. Yeah, maybe uh, that was one of the jokes that I saw uh, on the 30 minutes that could be added to midsummer it's going to be full penetration <laughs> full penetration but, but but like he like ran around naked like he yeah like went all out it was yeah I, it's I, I it, it, it's him. funny it's really funny that uh when he's running around naked he like covers himself up like dude you the situation that you were just in is like more terrifying than the thought of like people seeing your bits <laughs> But uh, yeah, like that, that, that was one of the things that he really wanted to do to kind of just strip himself down literally and um, just really make something that felt very vulnerable and honest. And so, I mean, it shows uh, so that that effect is pretty amazing and astonishing. So, um, 
yeah, I guess picking up with uh, Jack Rayner, he's also releasing uh, his own film. Uh, I think it's playing at a festival or two, um, and it's called uh, Bonnier. And it's going to be, I, from what I understand, he's a big fan of like uh, Japanese uh, horror films and uh, just kind of like him Midsommar. On the show too. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to make it happen at some point. That'd be really cool because uh, follow him on uh, Instagram, like either his own uh, Instagram Jack Rayner, or he has his like movie Instagram where he. Uh, releases like art and uh takes opportunities to like talk with other filmmakers and talent so he's just like one of us and it's really cool but i just like the idea that there's somebody out there in the industry who just like has a mad appreciation for uh film and uh, in his case uh older cinema because he's a big fan of like uh looking back to the past and just kind of seeing uh, where we've kind of uh, taken a new direction in cinema and trying to bring a lot of those uh, themes back to storytelling. So, um, yeah, I'm very anxious to see what he does with this uh, film, uh, Banye. Uh, you can look up online. He has like a, or on his Instagram, he has a couple of teasers out there, clips and, it's like a black and white uh, Irish ghost story, and it has Will Poulter in it, uh, who he's worked with, you know, in Midsommar, but he also worked with him in uh, Glassland. Yeah, I guess they hit it they off. Have, That's cool. Yeah, they have a good relationship, and it's cool. So, um, yeah, aesthetically, because the movie's in black and white, but uh, you can see that uh, aesthetically he knows exactly what he's doing, because in the trailers you don't get, like, any dialogue or anything like that, but... Uh, you get a sense of uh, like what he uh, really knows about the horror genre. And so I'm very curious to know what the end result will be. Yeah, I'm curious. Now, now I'm curious. I want to see this. I want to see what Jack does. That'd be, that's cool. Um, anything else before we move on to, to the Buffy? Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a couple things I watched. Uh, Silent Hill Scream Factory put out uh, this great release of it, uh, a collector's edition. Um, I hadn't seen that movie in a long time, I probably, and for good reason. But um, it's uh, it's really interesting film, especially to watch like all the special features. Um, and as we've you know, I keep saying this almost like weekly now that we watch these movies that Scream Factory do, and I just lose myself in the extras most of the time i go immediately to the extras before i watch the movie but it because it uh piques my interest to want to watch the film and go into it with a different uh perspective and so i do that with a lot of these like older films like uh what else did they send me recently uh this island earth uh yep. Got leopard that. man that sort of stuff mm -hmm. like there's like really great extras out there for for that so uh for silent hill um there's like a there's really long interviews uh in that uh collector set um most of which is dedicated to uh the director um i believe he's french and so the the interview portion 
is like split up into different chapters and they're like almost 30 minutes long a piece or something like that. So I guess longer than 45 minutes, but, um, it's really fascinating because you kind of go through, it can get kind of monotonous a little bit, or at least, uh, his, his voice tone can get, it, it took me back to like being a college class and like, um, like some half the class would be like really interested in it because they have a passion, they're very passionate about the material. And then you have the other class that's uh, other half of the class. That's just like, Oh man, this is boring. Can I watch something like the extras for, um, uh, green, uh, Inferno instead, which has like, <laughs> uh, Eli Roth being all crazy. And they have all these like extra shots from behind the scenes. So, it's cool. Like you can just uh, have different styles of special feature presentation in these Scream Factory sets, and so um, I like the kind of historical aspect. So I liked kind of going through uh, this director's uh, perspective of, or I guess like how he got introduced to the Silent Hill game and. Um, what he wanted to bring to the screen exactly how they talk about the story but it doesn't exactly translate as well as i think they they think they it does but um it's still pretty cool uh, i wanted to bring that up there's there's quite a few screen factory films that are out there right now and so i have to say hey there there are a lot of they're they're just coming coming out at you and i and i like it uh, we love scream factory a whole lot uh, as as well as um as well as arrow video yeah. because uh before before we move on to vinyl review i've got to say like um barnes and noble is doing their their criterion 50 percent off again and if you are a barnes and noble member you'll get an extra 10 percent off meaning 60 percent off criterion they advertise that two or three times a year they do it two or three times a year and it's happening but what they're doing now they haven't even mentioned it all of arrow releases are doing are 50 percent off too so all of the great genre horror special edition arrow releases on blu-ray are 50 percent off too at barnes and noble through the month and uh, mm-hmm. that is uh that's awesome and i've definitely you can do it online or in store and Take advantage of that, right? Yeah, because um, they're yeah. If you go to criteria, look at the Criterion section in Barnes and Nobles, like on any other, you know, week or month, they're like forty, forty-five dollars. So to knock it down into the twenty-dollar region, and uh, it's pretty, it's pretty legit. So um, I'm pretty comfortable with my Criterion collection. There's probably a few here and there that I'd like to get, but uh, it's a great opportunity for others to kind of catch up. Uh, I, I would like to go uh, thumb through the Arrow collection because there's uh, probably more uh, films in that area that I would like to own. Yeah, so when I was at Barnes & Noble, the one on Northwest Highway in 75, it's a, that's a, their big flagship store, one of their big yeah, flagship stores. Yeah, in Dallas. Um, they had, because I went through everything, and like their, 
there's not like a section for Arrow. They're just kind of like in the sci-fi horror, or maybe in you know something else like that. And yeah. they had eight of them or not, or ten of them there. And so to give you an idea, like if they're forty bucks, if you have the fifty percent off plus the extra ten for sixty percent off, it brings it down to like eighteen dollars and forty cents. And yeah, that's, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, it's it's great considering those are fairly expensive to buy. So yeah, for, through the end of the month, please go to Barnes and Noble and check out the get some of those Arrow collectors editions because they are awesome. Okay, so shall shall we do uh, once more with feeling now? Yes, we shall. Very excited. Shall we sing this entire this entire segment? No, <laughs> no, uh, hard no. no. I would right. not be able to do that. I, I'm sure I could, but I'm not going to attempt it. Okay. But... Uh, I would love to hear it, though. I think it would be great. <laughs> I'm sure you have a wonderful voice, singing-wise. We got a wonderful vinyl record from Mondo. It's in purple. It has a beautiful design by Paul Mann. Paul Mann. <laughs> Is a great designer. And he's you can go a man. on his website, <laughs> paulmanartist.net. I believe that is his website. You might have to Google it, but it's beautiful. He does a lot of great designs. Oh my goodness, Preston, you're amazing. <laughs> I know. It's like Fergie and Jesus mixed together, right? <laughs> Fergie and Jesus. Oh my gourd. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, so Mondo Tees, like we said, or, oh my God, Preston, I'm just going to give you a, an applause. You just... Uh, thank you. I love it. over here. Uh, so Mondo Tees released finally on vinyl, uh, Once More With Feeling, the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which uh, is amazing. Finally, it's been sought after by fans. You know, like this, this episode... Years. Yeah, this episode is you know, on par with Rocky Horror Picture Show, like it inspired midnight screenings. People went to that for years and did audience participation dressed up like that. Like it's that big of a cult following. Uh, Joss Whedon wrote all the lyrics and the music to the show and it's it's so good. All these actors did such a great job because in TV you got to get it out, and they did not only acted in the show, but they did like dancing and singing. It was crazy. So we have this on vinyl now, and glorious vinyl with new artwork, like Preston said, by Paul Mann, which is excellent. It's a gatefold, and it has. Uh, the liner notes by Joss Whedon, which are in the form of a playbill from Broadway, but instead of a playbill, it is sleigh a bill. Yeah, sleigh bill. And it, it comes with different um, different record colors, but the one we got was, what'd you get? Did you get the red I got one? the red. Yeah. yeah, I got the red. And it looks great, and it sounds amazing. You know, I've read a couple things online that's saying it didn't sound great on vinyl but i don't know if these people actually listen to it because i mean i have the cd and mp3 and this just sounds fuller with you know deeper deeper low tones of the guitars and the synth and i don't know i just thought it sounded great what do you think yeah i i completely agree because uh it, it's uh my wife and i we have like the the playlist of that episode saved on our spotify so we listen to it pretty often and yeah i have to agree i don't know maybe it's like an issue of like their vinyl record uh player itself i don't know but yeah it sounds great i just played it again this morning and it 
it's wonderful. I even played the episode and just kind of compared the two, and it's uh, it's it's pretty miraculous that it sounds that great. But um, I'm a big uh, design guy, so yeah, like I was singing a little bit earlier. Um, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Paul Mann. Like I really love his artwork. He does. He's done some great stuff for. Uh, Star Wars and Price Strikes Back, and uh, he did one for Halloween that's really great. So yeah, if you go on his website, you can just kind of thumb through like all the great stuff that he's done lately. So um, he's kind of like the perfect choice to be the person to uh, design the work for this because uh, you know even when you watch the episode, it has like a new intro to it that's kind of like classical feeling, and so the artwork of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that like the record has that old school kind of poster look of like the 1940s and 50s and it's pretty great and so it's just like it's it's a great design overall for uh to kind of fit in with the the tone and aesthetics of the actual episode itself right and it like the artwork it's so good it's like the perfect balance of purple and blue coloring with their faces you know and like the skin tones but when you open it up to the gatefold oh it just reminds me of thriller you know yeah with all the monsters and everything i just i thought that was super cool yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's it's everywhere it's it's really cool yeah but i I like that uh that sleigh bill thing too as well like they have like on the inside the flap you know all the lyrics and everything like that but joss whedon even kind of gave a note about uh you know inspiration for the episode and that sort of thing i think he spent like six months kind of uh creating uh and writing the episode and i remember uh watching like one of the behind this the behind this great behind the scenes that's on uh the dvd if you own that but just having that big collection um and just kind of watching it that way it's a good way that's why we promote uh physical media on here because it's just kind of nice to just have all that and so yeah and the extras the producer was said that joss whedon approached him and said hey i want to do like a a musical episode he's like oh great yeah sure go for it and then he already had like everything ready to go he had a cd made with all the i think it's like josh and uh one of the other guys just created the entire music already and put on a cd and then um what it just goes to show you that like how much work kind of goes into creating a musical like this this the behind the scenes things probably like i don't know like 30 minutes long and then they go through like every number and kind of talk about like the meaning behind each song um, which, uh, Brian, what would you say is your favorite song on the album? So the three songs that I listen to like constantly that I usually on my playlist are I'll Never Tell, I'll mm-hmm. Never Tell, and then, uh, of course, What You Feel, because it's such a smooth jazz yeah. kind of like, I, I love that song. I'll bring whole cities to ruin. I love that. Um, and then, of course, Walk Through the Fire, because... Rock yes. Through the Fire is such a good song, but it's also really funny to me because it's like Spike uh, in the yeah. show is like conflicted on killing her and loving her. It's just really funny to me. And of course, at the end of that episode, they have their first kiss, which is like, whoa, I remember watching that. I was like, no way, they finally did it. But uh, the Walk Through the Fire, What You Feel, and I'll Never Tell are my, my three go-tos. But I mean, every song's great, but those three are my favorites. What about you? 
Yeah, uh, I have to say those two, but I, I like Under Your Spell as well, just kind of getting in the relationship with uh, Willow, and I, I really enjoyed that one. And then uh, Rest in Peace, because that one's sh- uh, fairly short. But uh, but Rest in Peace is a great song, too. Yeah, yeah. I just like anything with Spike, uh, just going full Billy Idol. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty great. Um, <laughs> it's so good. But yeah, all, all of it throughout. It's like really well, it's well written. And that's what makes it so fun to kind of listen to on its own as well as just kind of putting yourself uh, in that position to kind of like imagine uh, watching the episode um, and how great it is, but uh, how they just, it's kind of like, I get, I don't want to compare it to frozen, but frozen, you know, it, it has fun with uh, the musical genre in that it's got like this kind of meta level to it where they like comment on like, Hey, you're stepping into my verse here kind of thing. Like this is my, my time to shine. So it just like has all those like kind of jokes that anybody who's ever been in a musical or been in theater uh, with like all the competing with all those egos and everything like that. It's just kind of fun that they bring that aspect to the musical. Yes, yes, no, for sure. It's um, it, it it's very difficult to do, and with this type of show at that time, having all of those actors really doing overtime, it was yeah, just, it's a it's a technical achievement for sure. Um, it won, I think, the Emmy, right? I'm I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. Um, because uh, the, I think it was like one of the first of it to kind of do the musical episode quote musical episode like that uh in in that kind of way uh, i think there's like some stuff you know like uh i dream a genie and uh uh what else uh, a lot of those like class uh brady bunch that sort of thing like they had like musical moments throughout that but it not quite in this fashion and like after this episode came out it's like every it, it was happening everywhere like that 70s show did one uh ally mcbeal but i think ally mcbeal may have done it before but um but yeah there's a lot it spawned uh a lot of uh tv series to kind of take it in that route but it's cool that uh this particular series that how it comes about is very organic and natural that you have a demon named sweet that just kind of causes the world to kind of just become its own musical. Um, so like, it's just clever. Like it finds an organic way of kind of making it happen within the series instead of just being like a, a one-off where it just doesn't quite click with everything else that kind of came before or after. Right. Right. Yeah. It just, it just fell into place easily and it is so much fun to listen to. Love it. Uh, yes, please go to Mondo Tees and buy this record immediately. Do it. It's so good. It's worth your time and money. And even if you've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you really love the music, though. Like, it's just that good. It could stand yeah. on its own. So, yeah, do it. MondoTees.com, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Shall we move on to Bloody Recommendations? Uh, yes, we shall. Okay, Bloody Recommendations uh, this week. Uh, the, yeah, this is where we deliver, we suggest a forgotten or a brand new horror uh, film or TV show that you should watch, be watching right now, and uh, to get you all excited about. So, uh, Preston, do you want to go first? Yes, I, sh- I, I will. This will probably be the last opportunity I bring this movie up, but I'm going to do it. 
and it's Pet Cemetery again, 2019. But uh, I'm oh. not going to be cheap and just do that one over again. But I want to focus more, kind of like what I did in that uh, episode where I talked about Green Inferno, talking about the extras, because uh, very rarely in like like a mainstream kind of release, big studio release like this, uh, outside of you know stuff like Arrow and Scream Factory and Criterion. So yeah, on the in the special features, there's uh, there's like this four part documentary that kind of goes through like all the different themes of the film, how they shot it, how they wanted to achieve it, and the the actors that they brought on board and what they brought to the story and that sort of thing. So uh, it's it's more than just like your average like EPK kind of uh, press yeah electronic press kit kind of uh, clip. There's like more going on here. So I, I was just very surprised that they went as in depth as they did for this kind of release. And it made it more interesting for me because I'm, as I've expressed on here quite a few times, I'm a big fan of uh, Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, And <laughs> he, Preston, really loved the 2018 version. I don't know. I don't know. I, we, we, do you think I'll like this Pet Cemetery 2018 version more than I did in the theater with watching the extras? Yeah, 2019 version. 20, 2019 but, um, is what I meant. Yeah, I, I think you should. Kind of like what I was saying earlier with uh, just diving into the extras. I think if you watch the extras and kind of get a maybe an understanding for where they were coming from or what I kind of picked up on when I was watching it the first time, it made it so fun for me. It may do that for you um, because they have, yeah, all these uh, featurettes. Uh, they got more deleted scenes and extended scenes that kind of give get into a lot of the moments that I kind of remember from the book. Um, and so you might uh, find it uh, more terrifying to kind of those moments that you may feel are silly, um, which still baffles me. Uh, the um, the stuff with uh, Zelda. There's there's a lot of great stuff there to kind of uh, make that have a greater impact in the film. But so yeah, there's like overall there's like 90 minutes of stuff and an alternate ending, an alternate ending. Did you like the alternate ending better than the one in the theater? Because I I thought the one in the theater that was one of the parts that I liked was uh was the yeah um i yeah still after watching this um the alternate ending too i really like the way that they end it in this one yeah like you said i think that's like one of the strongest parts about it and and i've heard uh different like some other critics that i really admire their work they say uh they really enjoyed it up until that part, but it's just like the, without kind of like dancing around, like what actually happens, but um, it's just like opens up the world in such a way where they could just uh, keep going with it. And just doesn't feel like a definitive end, you know, like there, there's a, a component to uh, the original ending uh, of the book where, uh, I mean, they, they did, they made a pet cemetery too, but um but it could still like continue with this family. And so uh, uh, there's, there's, I think it's just way more fascinating to me that, that the direction they took it with uh, the new one um, with how it wraps up. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I just recommend to 
watch that movie again if you felt like Brian did um, or uh, watch it again because you love it like I did and you want to kind of get into everything again and kind of get a better understanding of the story and the themes and well i'll definitely give it another shot because i know you love the movie so much so i want i want to give it another shot for you preston for you i just want to give it another shot okay good i appreciate it (laughs) so yes pet cemetery 2019 on video do it um ready for my recommendation sure okay my recommendation, I'm not, I don't think it's out yet. It's coming out on Netflix. Um, but it is, uh, since this is goes in line with Stranger Things season three. Yes, yes. Frankenstein's yeah. Monsters. Frank, no, Frankenstein's Monster, Monsters Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, my. Extremely wicked and shockingly evil. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, one of those titles. Yeah, it's one of those. It's a, so this movie. Uh, or this like little show. It's like 32 minutes long. It is David Harbour's passion project, I think. And of course, David or yeah, David Harbour is uh, Hopper in the, the cop in Stranger Things one, two, and three. And so this thing just this this is just so odd and strange and bizarre, but also brilliant and funny and great, and I want more of it. So I guess David Harbour did this mockumentary, kind of like a Christopher Guest movie, like Best in Show or Mighty Wind, Waiting for Guffman, and David Harbour plays uh, this character, and he plays this character's father and grandfather as well. It's really funny, so I guess David Harbour has like a documentary crew, and he's talking uh, to this documentary crew about his father, who was this like legendary actor in like one of his father's favorite uh, roles was playing Frankenstein's monster and Frankenstein, and it's kind of going through his life and like what his father had always done and acting in the family turns out not to be kind of true. Like he always like said he went to this school, this Ivy League school, and just like the camera turns to somebody and he's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> it's just really funny stuff like that. And it's just great to see just how ridiculous it all is because they it like comes complete with like interviews from back in the time when his dad was alive. And it looks like completely real because they like went through a lot of uh, like they even like changed like what the footage looked like to make it look like from like the seventies and eighties and even like, so his dad was like this diva actor and he's just like above it all, you know, kind of like you would probably imagine Orson well was, but then like you see this guy, this like very Shakespearean actor being interviewed on like an MTV type of show. And it's just really funny to watch. And then David Harbour's character, like present day is just, it's just great that he finds all this stuff out. And it's, it's pretty brilliant and off the wall and weird and very dry humor. And it's like, I never saw this side of David Harbour before. And I really hope that he does more stuff like this. Uh, Preston, have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet, 
but uh, yeah, I've seen like some of the advertisements and things like that, and so I'm I'm very interested in it. And anything with uh, David Harbour like sporting his fantastic beard uh, has me uh, hooked from the get go. Yeah, you have to do that, and I'm trying so hard, everybody, to get him on the show. We all interviewed him for like a split second. Uh, a couple weeks ago, but they're trying like hell to get him on the show for a full hour to talk about this and everything else this man, this amazing man does. So hopefully soon we'll we'll be updating you with that. But uh, in the meantime, be be checking Netflix for Frankenstein's Monsters, Monster Frank, no, Frankenstein's Monster, Monsters Frankenstein. Uh, it is, it's worth your while if you like the real dry humor mockumentary type stuff. It's just, it's just so crazy and I loved it. So, uh, that's my bloody recommendations. We're moving on to our feature presentation, which of course is Netflix's Stranger Things season three. We could be true American heroes. Don't you love your country? You can't spell America without Erica. Who wants to see some fireworks? Doesn't that just lift your spirits? Yes, our feature presentation, Stranger Things Season 3, is here. came out July 4th. Uh, It was a July 4th summer uh, setting in Stranger Things. And we we were back. And I must say... You know, coming into Stranger Things season three, I think it was it was eight episodes this time, right? Or was it ten? It was eight. It was eight. And eight episodes. Eight episodes. So the kids are a little older now, and you know, you're trying to figure out, okay, where are we going from here? Because where we left off in season two was at the dance. Eleven and Mike had their first kiss, and how that show ended was the dance, and then it goes to the upside down in this big creature, the the mind flare, as you will, as we will say in season three, was the big mind flare was standing over the school. So in Stranger Things season three, uh, I had these hopes. I, you know, I had these expectations, like, okay, we're gonna get you know more stuff into 1985. We're gonna have the summertime. Uh, who's going to be doing what, how's the relationships going, how is it with uh, Hopper and Elle living together, and that sort of thing. Did you did you have a certain expectation, Preston, going into Season 3? I wasn't a huge fan of Stranger Things 2, Season 2. There's, there's a lot of good stuff in that, but um, I felt um, a lot of the new characters that we have, like Max and Billy, that we were introduced to in season two, didn't really like establish themselves in a way that really compelled me or like engaged me to uh, in such a way that I uh, was really wanting. And I feel like this season kind of does that, and we'll get into that. But um, yeah, overall, like I was pretty, I was pretty uh, hyped up about it because like the 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 first trailer that they released um, really hooked me in. They, I think they use like the, the who song and they open with uh, home sweet home, which I guess just like, you know, Netflix is just having fun with that song since they did that uh, Motley Crue film. But um, yeah, like from an aesthetic level, like the, 
from the trailer, I was really excited about it because it looked like more like a film. And I, I, I've always felt that way with Stranger Things. Like it just seemed like it focused more on the characters uh, from the trailer. Like there was like no monster or anything like that was introduced until the very end of the trailer. So I was excited about like, oh, man, we're going to get into like some of the, the character dynamics and uh, how they don't want to be uh uh, how they're no longer those kids that are playing Dungeons and Dragons in the basement anymore. They've grown up uh, a lot since the last one. And it's been, I think season two came out in 2017. And so it's been two years. And it's, it's, it's weird to, yeah, it's, it's weird to like, they've grown up, like they have deeper voices and they, yeah, it, it yeah. was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like they even have a shot where they show them like younger, um, when you're watching the series and you're like, damn, they really have grown. And if you could watch, uh, like some of the interviews that they're doing, um, the guy that, uh, plays, uh, Lucas, Caleb, uh, McLaughlin, he has like facial hair. He has like a mustache. Yes. Uh, yes. He's like, Oh my God, these kids are getting older. What's happening. It, it's, it's crazy. Um, I think I, what, what is it? It's, uh, I think Shazam, like, they're which is out like or coming out tuesday um they're they're shooting it like right away because the kids uh like they're in this like transitional period where their voices change and they're growing up so quickly that they want to kind of get through it and that's uh that's probably that's probably the biggest issue that they're facing with these stranger things uh series uh i think they have a an arc to go to either four or five seasons uh, last I heard it was like five, but, uh, it could be next season. So, um, uh, it's, it's cool that now that they're just kind of embracing it, that these kids are getting older and, uh, kind of writing themselves into a corner that, uh, makes it a more of an interesting show, like, uh, putting these characters into a, a different company, like, uh, the characters, like, a pair that you'll have that's kind of like it's always sunny like you you always get fascinated with like oh who's gonna go with who like who's pairing uh, right, enjoy right. the most and <laughs> yes. so um it, and it's fun that it's kind of like given into like uh the fans what the fans want a little bit with this season uh which you kind of get from the trailer so well i want to first say like since you know they're getting older and stuff like that i have to say that this season was way more violent and gory and like tough than the past two seasons and i i mean i loved that and it was i was i was kind of like shocked it's like oh man they really like the violence is amped up and the gore like they really like getting older i was like oh wow like it was like straight horror yeah Yeah, rat goo turning into the blob yeah it was all but like the bodies exploding and it's good it's 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 dang dang good all right, all right. So let's 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 talk about uh, getting into where this show uh, picks up. Uh, you know, takes place summer, I believe, nineteen eighty five, and we have uh, Dustin, everybody's favorite Dustin, coming back from science camp, uh, and he's just excited to get back home and tell everybody about his time there. And it seems the only person that's excited to see him is Steve, which is great. And then meanwhile, um, Eleven and Michael and, um, oh, what's, what's her name? Um, the, the other couple. 
Max and Lucas. Yeah, Max and Lucas. They're off doing their their you know young love thing, kissing and uh, getting in <laughs> that old thing. That old thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, and all of a sudden, like Will just wants to play D and D. Nobody wants to play D and D anymore. And it's summertime. They're having a good time. And and then things start to happen. That's very strange. We see. On the uh, we see Russians trying to open the upside down wall, and we have no idea where that's happening. We just assume it's Russia. All these crazy Russians are trying to do this, and then, a uh, where does it go from there, Preston? Yeah, I guess uh, Dustin uh, he he's like created like this big radio thing, radio tower where he can, uh, communicate with his, uh, supposed, uh, girlfriend. Susie. Um, yeah. Um, and they happen to pick up a, a Russian broad, uh, broadcast. And so that's how they have a, a sense of that, that there's something kind of something's going down. And so they, they kind of are at this point putting the pieces together to kind of figure out like what they're saying on the broadcast and what's going on. But, most uh, of this like first episode or the first couple is just kind of like picking up with uh, where they are now, like their budding romances and how uh, they've kind of changed and like hanging out with uh, different people. Like uh, I think everybody really enjoys uh, Dustin and Steve together um, as we uh, got from uh, last season. And so they kind of capitalized a little bit more on that with uh, Steve working at Scoops Ahoy. The ice cream place. Uh, yeah, at the mall. And that's the big thing of uh, this season. Like they have a mall. Uh, Hawkins has a mall now. And it's like made to resemble the mall from uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, like down to the carpet. There's like a red carpet. Right, right. Um, so it's great. Like, uh, like I all that stuff is the best part of the show to me. Like did you just all those like small moments of the characters kind of like hanging out. And, uh, once we like get, get down the line, like, uh, there's some complications with the romances and things like that. Uh, there's, there's stuff from the adult side too, with like Hopper feeling kind of being like that, that dad who doesn't know how to exactly respond to uh, the young love between Eleven and Mike. So, like, we, we get that. So there, there's there's some uh, there's uh, developments here that are pretty funny and enjoyable. Uh, some don't work. And, um, like, uh, the storyline between Char- Char- Charlie Heaton's character, who pl- Jonathan uh, Byers, who plays uh, Will's, uh, older brother and then Natalie uh, Dyer, uh, Nancy Wheeler. Uh, they have like this whole thing uh, working at a newspaper, like the Hawkins newspaper. And Jake uh, Busey. Th- yeah, Jake Busey pops up there for a second. All he has is uh, Nancy, My- uh, Nancy Myers, uh, Nancy Drew jokes. There's, it, it's like uh, the Duffer brothers, uh, the creators and writers um, and directors of this uh, series, or at least they do like. The, the book ends like they start out doing the first two and complete with the first two. And then they have like uh, Sean Levy and some other folks uh, that uh, work on it. But um, it's, it's like, they don't know exactly what to do with all the characters. They, so there's like some things that are better this season, like some uh, character pairings that are better. Like I really enjoy uh, Max and 11 together. Like it reminds me of like the, 
the friendship that's in like fast times at Ridgemont high, um, and some of those like 80 classics. And so they kind of lean into that and that, that stuff is like, it's best. Like I enjoy, um, like, uh, again, Steve and Dustin together or, uh, more, they have another character, um, uh, played by uh, Maya Hawk. Um, Which is uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Hawk. Thurman's kid who looks exactly like Uma Thurman. Yeah, like the perfect uh, creation yeah. of, the, the, of both of them. And she plays Robin. She works at uh, uh, Scoops Ahoy with Steve. And so like th- that trio of Dustin, Steve, and, uh, and Robin are – trying to figure out what's going on because the, the signal's pretty strong at the mall for, for picking up the Russians. And so they kind of interpret it. And so they, they, uh, get into like, uh, like what's going on there. And so, um, I don't know, there's a lot going on, but, uh, is there anything in the, this, this particular series? Um, I mean, I, I would like to kind of focus on some of the things that don't work and then kind of get into a lot of the things that, that do work okay. um, like these character parents. But, uh, is there anything that kind of stood out to you that didn't, uh, work for you? Uh, or, or maybe, maybe we should get into like, what were your overall thoughts on the season first before we get into that? So overall thoughts of the season, I really liked it. I really enjoyed this season a whole lot, but I did find, you know, I was, there, there's a, there was a lot of, Oh, hit you over the head on the nose type of thing with a lot of the references and like even some of the reference stuff went on way too long like yeah a lot of needle drops yeah there was it's kind of like okay we get it and then like even which i loved they were having fun with the never-ending story thing but it like literally went on for the entire song i was like okay we get it and then i know they were i know Stranger Things was in cahoots with Coca-Cola, but they did mm-hmm. like an actual commercial for new Coke in the show and it just like didn't fit. <laughs> I was like, okay, we just kind of took me out of the show there to do the new Coke bit. Um, and I also thought that, um, what's his name? Lucas's sister was uh, abhorrently annoying through the, her thing like i just did not like that character at all yeah it's uh like she pops up in season two and a lot of people liked her but it's kind of like that finding dory kind of element where it's uh too much they're they're, yeah they're best handled in small dosages so right yeah there's there's problems all throughout but yeah overall I, i really enjoyed it as well i think it's the most entertaining season of them all, um, I, I still probably would have to say uh, the first season still my favorite because it's. Um, I mean, I would like to go back and revisit it, but I I could just see myself watching this one the most because it seems like they're pick, the the Duffer Brothers are picking up on like what works, what doesn't work, and where they can grow and like uh, the you know there's a lot of things that you can. Uh, analyze and critique in the first season in terms of steve's character kind of playing like this stereotypical jerk kind of guy and then he ends up becoming like one of the best characters on the show if not the best character on the show right so yeah Yeah, he's so so there's there's like good things about it but yeah that first season we just we had no idea that it was going to be a show quite like this that was just going to be highly enjoyable and have good characters and have like that whole uh kids on bicycles kind of element from the eighties. That's just like ET and uh, the most recent it and all that. And so, um, 
it just had that uh, surprise factor working for it. And I think that's why I still like enjoyed the first season. But uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed a lot of the character pairings, like I said, and just uh, where they kind of go. And, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues at hand and um, but I'm, I'm curious if they're going to like where they're going to go from, from here. And um, so there, there could be uh well, it seemed like they, you know, we've seen three seasons of kind of the same thing set in the town. Yeah. So at the end of the show, you know, characters are no longer with us. And and uh, a good chunk of the characters actually move out of town, like in like the last episode. So like it, it, it for writers, at least and story wise, it brings up, oh, we can go to new places like I would imagine because like there's a line in the last episode where they're like oh we hope to see you at Christmas or Thanksgiving time so I'm like are we going to get a Christmas yeah. Thanksgiving you know season probably so uh and some everybody's going to come back into town to visit so I'm I'm curious on how that's going to happen and I, like it was an interesting choice for where Eleven you know ends up with Winona Ryder you know like i, I I'm I'm interested in that. Like I like this aspect of it, but what, where do you think that it should or go, or where do you think they're trying to go? Yeah, I, I would think at this point. Uh, well, at the yeah, we're we're like well into spoilers here. Um, so yeah, uh, I hope like that. Like half of it is like because they allude to the fact that it's probably Hopper that's in the cell at the very end. Uh, or in the stinger at the end of the third one, um, that he survived, even though I, I kind of would have liked it if he stays dead. But I mean, we uh, saw everybody die in that show who died, and we never saw him actually bite the dust. We just implied. But there's yeah. that camera shot of him looking at the crack of the upside down. So, like, my theory is that he jumped in there and the yeah, Russians found him or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it, it's pretty possible. Uh, so, it'd be cool if it was, like, a Ghost Protocol, like Mission Impossible, where it's just, like, him escaping. So, like, half of it's, like, him in prison and uh, toughening it up and uh, just ev- further evolving as a character. Um because uh, this season, how did you feel about Hopper's character this in, entire uh, uh, season? This season, I thought he, I mean, he was much more rounded. Like, you saw him like really love somebody, or two people, and we saw him struggle with how to deal with that love. And his, and it saw like his demons coming back from his past, like with drinking and like being a, you know, a layabout, you know? But then he also wanted to do good and... Yeah, I, I just I love that character, and you know you want more of it too because he's like, like the, just like an almost an idiot, but like he can get stuff done, and like he can take a punch, and like I really enjoyed seeing him. I think his his character was more well rounded and like went deeper than previous seasons. Oh, that was me. Yeah, um, I. It's almost like uh, the writers were taking a. a some advice from marvel like a lot of the moments that could be very dramatic uh like if you've seen the most recent spider-man far from home like how things conclude in endgame um 
and like where they can go, they, they turn it a lot of it into a joke. Um, so it, it, it's, it's entertaining on a level, a lot of what they do with Hopper, because I mean, this guy has a pretty traumatic past. He lost his daughter, divorced from his uh, wife and, um, drinking and everything like that. And so, uh, it's like, it's very rich material for drama, but, uh, they didn't, I think if I had to gripe about it a little bit, I just would want it to be a more dramatic type of thing. But I really did enjoy like him and his uh, mustache and his Magnum PI uh, Miami Vice look here and all the bickering that he has with Joyce. And I know a lot of people have kind of complained about uh, that the relationship that they kind of have, like, why why would uh, uh, Hopper be so kind of aggressive like that, I, I guess, um, when I guess he could just like dial it back and kind of be more like – people just want it to be like more of a 2019 kind of thing and it ends up kind of having a lot of the same problems that we have from 80s movies in retrospect. Um, so I don't know, like it, it could – piss off some people and then some other people can be like, eh, it's fine. So, uh, I guess whatever, uh, I guess it's just up to the audience as to like how you feel about it. But overall I was just, uh, I, I think I can just recognize a lot of the issues in the film or in the series and discuss them. But overall, I think I was just pretty pleasantly, uh, pleased with how everything turns out. Right, yeah, I, I was too. And I gotta say, one of my favorite characters this season, my two favorite characters, was the Russian scientist who loved Slurpees and the uh, yeah. the conspiracy theorist again. They Those two were... Oh, excellent. Brett Gilman. Yes, yeah. they were so good in this season. And it was great seeing Carrie Elwes just be a jackass. <laughs> yeah. He was great. Yeah, I, re- in that I really liked uh, Brett Gilman in this yeah. one compared to uh, last season, but because uh, everything I've pretty much watched that guy in, uh, there's this movie that me and uh, James Cole Clay like just despise called Lemon, and God, my dog's like very loud clacking. Um, he uh, he always plays like the same kind of slimy jerk kind of character, and in this one he was. Uh, very funny, and the kids make jokes with like him being bald, bald and eagle. being the bald eagle. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they just have a lot of fun with like uh, the the characters, and um, is just very enjoyable. Yeah, no, I think this season they, you know, we were always wondering like, does L have her powers? Does Eleven always have her powers? And in this season, we kind of see like, wow, they might be limited or. They might, and I'm, I'm curious, that, and that brings the question is like, will others help her? Because we saw in second season, there's other people that have her powers. I wonder if they will come into play next season as well. Yeah. Um, did, did the characters uh, from season two, I can't recall it very well, but um, that episode that a lot of people hate, which is the one where she, uh, Eleven goes to that, uh, place where it has like people with powers just like hers. Did they all die? I don't think so. The last I remember was where I mean, where the place where she like there's the, the the city where she went to where she became like a punk rocker. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the like the lab too. And I don't know if everybody died in the lab. I can't remember, but I know that the punk rockers she was running around with they all survived because she left them and they drove off. And you could tell that the other girl had significant powers. So I wonder if, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious with like the bite on her leg, or I, I I'm I, I don't know. I, I'm very very curious to see where it goes from there, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I guess they just have a lot of places where they can take it. But um, uh, do we want to talk at all about Billy because that's a big part of the show uh, oh, this for season? Sure. Billy was excellent in this show, and I'm so glad we kind of got his backstory. And you like really feel for him because like in the whole series that you've met him, you're just like, I do not like this guy. And why is he like this? And you just, oh man, it just, it was very tragic. You know, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I really liked kind of getting into it. It, it was like kind of like a fast track to kind of create some sympathy for his character, but I still appre- uh, really appreciated it that they, uh, laid that down there because it, as you're watching it, I was, I'm thinking, oh yeah, uh, he's probably gonna kick the bucket by the end, especially since he's pretty much like uh, the surrogate for all the evil that happens. Um, and so, yeah, when they started showing his like flashback stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, this it's probably gonna happen. Like, it, it, and it goes down the way that I kind of expected it to, but I, I still. I still enjoyed that it uh, went to that level because, um, uh, I mean, it would have sucked if he was just like this asshole and then he died and would have been like, well, that was a problem. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I, I mean, I really enjoyed like the the dark side of this stuff outside of uh, Russian Terminator. yeah, the, it really was the Terminator. I'm telling you, <laughs> it looked exactly like Schwarzenegger. Yeah, um, but I, I I liked that Manson family kind of feel when we first see uh, him with that that girl's uh, family in their house, and Eleven and Max come over there. I was like, oh shit! No, yeah, uh, that, that that'd great. be like a very fascinating way to kind of like just go house to house and like. Um, just build this army that essentially becomes the blob, which then becomes the thing. Um, so uh, I, I think I really enjoyed like all that dark stuff that they did, at least from that side, not so much the ter- Terminator thing, which was funny and enjoyable to a degree watching Hopper go up against that guy and how that Terminator gets killed is pretty cool with his face right. getting ripped off. And so, no, that, uh, that was great. That was, that, that was good. You know, one thing that stuck out to me that I never really understood why they did it was, yeah. um, was, um, Mike's mother trying to have the affair with Billy. Cause they feel like that was just like, it was weird. I feel unnecessary and it never like really went anywhere, you know? Unless they were just trying to set up, like, him going to the motel to meet her and then, you know, having the mind flare attack him. But I don't... Yeah, I think that was... um, uh, It was probably just something that they could do with her mom because I think that, yeah, like, last season that attraction was there. And so 
uh, it's nice that, you know, in a normal like 80s or typical 80s film, if something like that happened, you'd be like, oh, yeah, the guy is, of course, going to get with her. But at least they kind of break away from uh, the norm by her having some sense to be like, you know what, I have a family and that sort of thing. So it's probably because the next season is going to be more focused on. Uh, their individual families is my understanding. And so they probably want to create some sort of sympathy for her that she had the sense to not give into her impulses or her wants and desires. And so that's, that's what my guess would be. So do you think Susie's going to be the new character on the next season? Uh, I I hope so. She was great. She was great. Yeah, I, I I'm sure they will. I mean, if they were, if they, uh, leaned into a lot of the moments uh, that were great from the previous season and the characters that were great from the previous season, they'll, of course, do it in the next season. Right. And what do you think? Because we saw Paul Reiser come back. Do you think we'll have Paul Reiser back? Or do you think yeah. he died? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sure he'll probably return in some way. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm very... Uh, and it was, it was also good to see, like, little snippets of Bob again. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it it made you feel more for him, and uh, it, it's kind of like when they, when people complained about just you know justice for Barb, like Barb not getting her moment, and they're they're giving him his justice. Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, I I really like the season three. I I mean, I want to go back and watch it again. Like it was super fun, minus a few of the moments that you know you can give or take here and there. But uh, I overall like it was a great season. Like with as far as like continuing seasons go, you know some some TV shows get better, some get worse. I think this one is, you know, moving with it. Moving with it. I think they're like I really enjoy this season. For yeah, sure. it, it, it's definitely like the Duffer Brothers and the other uh, creators or the people that are involved with the making of it uh, put their ear to the ground and kind of listen to what people have to say. Because um, it, it, the, the way that things wrap up with like Hopper, like you're meant to believe that he's like straight up dead. And I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I kind of wish that he would stay dead because it, it just gives this season so much emotional weight and it, it, actually has consequences and i think that's what surprised me about this season was that there were actual stakes like more stakes that were there and there's consequences that these people can actually die and that's what makes uh great television and great filmmaking in in my in my mind uh that it's not like you'll have like the characters saving the world and every single one of them uh, make it out alive, except for like maybe like the third kind of character, not secondary, but like third characters. Um, but the main cast kind of makes it out alive every time. And then after a little while, we're kind of like, you know, you it, it would kind of change things up in a, in a very interesting way. And so, um, from press uh, that's been done lately with David Harbour, he's pretty much just said that, that yeah, he's that American that's in the, the prison cell in Russia. And so um, um, it's it's kind of like I'm upset that it's it, we're not going to have that moment of kind of thinking like, oh, did he make it or did he die? And now it's pretty much like confirmed. But uh, they can still change it. They can still change it up. And do true. something different, yeah. but 
I, I just hope that going forward, if they end up doing five seasons, that when people like more, like man, make Mike or somebody die, uh, give give some, uh, make it shocking and crazy, and so they the the writers can like just uh, like oh man, where where are we gonna go from here now uh, that this has happened, and instead it's just like. Uh, a hetch sketch where like you know they create something and then they shake it and they're just kind of like in the same area again there you go that's uh i i, I think that's right i was i was hoping for like a cool um like a cool like not a cool death scene but like just like somebody needed to go and like we saw people die but i think it would like preston said bring an emotional weight that the show needs so um because like i you feel like they're not going to kill any of the kids. Like it was sad to see Billy go, but I think, um, you know, you just feel safe with everybody. You don't, you don't feel like anybody's super in danger. Cause like, they're not going to just going to kill Dustin or somebody like that, you know, but maybe they will. It, it seems like it got more violent this time. And you know, a lot of the townspeople surely died. So there you go. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. So since this one was the fun and funny one, I hope that they lean more into the dramatic side for the next one and just really kind of show like, yeah, a lot of people died in this town and it's awful and it's had like a a big impact on the town and how people live their lives and everything. And they don't have to always turn everything into a joke and make it. It's like a fear of, uh, that the audience isn't going to be entertained by if they're not laughing like every other minute. And so like, just don't be afraid. And it, it, it's like Batman V Superman and everything that Zack Snyder did just kind of like ruin drama for a lot of like mainstream stuff. And so I, I really hope that people are not afraid to kind of go that route and that like a Marvel film, like it, it doesn't always have to be super funny. Like it can be like in game where like as a pretty good balance of the two. Right. No, I totally agree. So check out stranger things season three, if you haven't yet. Um, and of course check out pet cemetery, 2019 on Blu-ray and 4k, as well as the upcoming Netflix special with David Harbor, Frankenstein's monster monsters, Frankenstein, and uh, we are My Bloody Podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. We have tons of stuff, cool things coming up, interviews and movies to talk about. We'll be back next week, of course. Uh, regularly scheduled program and all that good stuff. I'm Brian Kluger, BoomstickComics.com and HighDefDigest.com. And, of course, this podcast. And Preston Barta, all over them internet webs porn everything (laughs) where can they find you good sir you can find me at my Pornhub channel at sexy daddy 6969 um where i'm drinking uh english breakfast hot tea and doing solo shows it's pretty (laughs) remarkable i I sense it it's great i sense it (laughs) no i'm i'm at the didn't record chronicle and uh, freshfiction.tv, and I have quite a few articles that are going up today, on Friday, um, July 12th, and I have stuff, like, I just watched Aziz Ansari's new stand-up, which I highly recommend for people. I can go find my 
article there and Stuber's out. And so I got interviews with uh, Dave Batista and Kumail Nanjani and a review of The Lion King that's going up. And there's a movie on Netflix called Point Blank with Anthony Mackie and Frank Grillo, uh, directed by Joe Lynch. That's uh, pretty fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got stuff from all areas up today. So you can go to freshfiction.tv and uh, Ditton Record Chronicle, DittonRC.com, or follow me on Twitter where I'm posting all that stuff at Preston Barta or on my Instagram where I'm posting uh movies um physical media and stuff like that at preston Barta as well good deal good deal well um it was fun we'll see you next week and uh till then stranger things season three